This is the Savvy Philanthropist Podcast. My name's Kirk. We are a financial planning podcast for people who want to do philanthropy well. Whether you're a donor trying to do some good in the world, or you're a development officer trying to connect resources with the people who need them. This podcast is all about how to navigate our U.S. legal and financial system in order to make the greatest philanthropic impact you can. This is episode 22, A Business Owner's Guide to Giving, Part 2. Last week, we discussed the basic building blocks of making charitable gifts with highly appreciated but closely held securities. Today is part two of that little series. We're going to run through a couple of charitable giving vehicles that can really increase the overall benefit to the donor of this type of gift. One of the biggest advantages charitable giving can provide to owners of closely held businesses is the ability to eliminate, defer, or otherwise manage their capital gains. If you remember from last week, when a business owner sells a business that has increased in value over the years, the capital gains hit can be really substantial. Charity, besides the obvious benefit of helping others, also helps address this issue. We're going to identify and briefly describe four different ways to manage capital gains when giving highly appreciated, closely held securities to charity. Option number one, an outright sale. This is the easiest version. The donor gives a portion of the ownership in the company to a charity. The owner and the charity then jointly sell the company. The capital gains on the portion gifted to the charity go away, and the charity keeps 100% of the proceeds. Simple, straightforward, effective. A variation on this approach is our option number two, a redemption. What this means is that the buyer in our little sales scenario is actually the donor's company itself. Let me explain. The donor transfers some closely held securities to the charity then the company actually buys the securities back, a transaction known as a redemption. The prearranged sale is even more of a concern in this scenario, as you might imagine, but it can be done with a little careful planning. Here, the donor retains ownership of the company at the end of the whole transaction, but a bunch of the capital gains have been wiped out, and most importantly, the charity now has money to advance its work. These two options, an outright sale and a redemption, can work really well. However, they assume two things. First, they assume that the donor already knows what charity he wants to support. Second, it assumes that the donor doesn't need some portion of the sale proceeds to live on during retirement. Luckily, we have some other charitable giving vehicles that address both of those potential concerns. That brings us to option number three, a donor advised fund. Right out of the gate, let me make clear that we are going to do entire episodes on donor advised funds. They are a really common part of modern philanthropy, and we'll have a lot to say about them. But for today's discussion, I just want to focus on one aspect of them. Essentially, they provide a way for a donor to give to charity without actually choosing the charity first. In brief, a DAF, or a donor advised fund, is sort of a savings account where a donor can deposit money and get an immediate charitable tax deduction. Later on, when the donor decides on particular charities to support, the donor can ask the DAF to distribute the money to that charity or charities. So in our case, the donor can use a DAF just like the regular operating charity in the selling and redemption scenarios. The donor transfers part of the company to the DAF, the DAF participates in the sale or redemption, and now the DAF holds the proceeds until the donor decides what he or she wants to do. The capital gains on the portion transferred to the the DAF have disappeared. Option number four addresses the other concern the fact that the donor may need to live on the proceeds of the sale. In that case, a charitable remainder trust, or CRT, can be a great tool. Again, we're going to spend a lot of time later talking about charitable remainder trusts, but in short, 
a donor transfers money to a CRT, and the donor gets a partial charitable deduction. I'll explain why it's charitable, or partial, later. The CRT distributes a certain portion of his assets back to the donor every year, providing income to the donor for living expenses. When the donor passes away, all of the property then remaining in the CRT transfers to the charity indicated by the donor. In our case, the donor would transfer a portion of his closely held securities to a newly created CRT, and the CRT would act as the seller. The CRT would then use the money to generate income for the donor. So the donor has gotten to make a charitable gift, but he can still benefit from the proceeds of the sale. Importantly, a CRT doesn't technically eliminate capital gains. It defers them, and in the right circumstances, it can defer them for so long that they eventually do go away. It just doesn't happen to be as straightforward as the other vehicles, and I needed to flag that. So always remember that if a donor wants to give char to charity using highly appreciated, closely held securities, these four options can provide really great options for maximizing the benefit to the donor. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you know other people who might find this podcast worthwhile, please share it on your social media platform of choice. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a rating or review for the show on whatever podcast service you use would really help to get the word out about the show. You can find The Savvy Philanthropist on the internet at thesavvyphilanthropist.net. You can find me on LinkedIn at the link below in the show notes. And you can follow me on Twitter where I am at RossPlan. Lastly, if you have any ideas, suggestions, or helpful insights, feel free to email me at thesavvyphilanthropist at gmail.com. That's it for episode 22. Thanks for listening. Next week will be the third and final part of this short series. We'll go through the steps and the timing of how a transaction would actually unfold in this type of scenario. Until then, remember, do well, then do good, but always be savvy.